exploring the consequences of saying no to ransomware gangs, and mistakes to avoid when migrating to the cloud. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. It's been a turbulent time for Australia's largest health insurer, Medibank, which had the data of 9.7 million of its customers stolen last month, a sample of which, including abortion data, was published this week by criminals after the insurer refused to pay a ransom. So what are the consequences of Medibank's decision to say no to ransomware-wielding attackers? ISMG's executive editor, Jeremy Kirk, reports. The stark consequences between paying a ransom and not paying a ransom to a gang of cyber extortionists became painfully clear in Australia on Tuesday. A ransomware group began releasing some of the data it stole from the systems of Medibank, which is one of Australia's largest health insurers. Medibank says the breach affects 9.7 million current and former customers. The data includes claims-related information, including codes for medical diagnoses, such as whether a person smokes or may use illegal drugs. Medibank counts the country's prime minister and, ironically, its cybersecurity and home affairs minister as customers. Its data breach and subsequent extortion have caused the country to take a hard look at whether it's doing enough to protect personal data. I cannot articulate the disgust I have for the scumbags who are at the heart of this criminal act. People are entitled to keep their health information private. Even amongst ransomware attackers, the idea of releasing personal medical information of other people is considered beyond the pale. So make no mistake about it, this is not just any ordinary group of scummy criminals, this is the lowest of the low. That's what Home Affairs and Cybersecurity Minister Claire O'Neill told Parliament on Wednesday during question time after the attackers began releasing data. Medibank publicly announced on Monday that it would not pay the attackers. So who is attempting to extort Medibank? Why did it tell its attackers it wouldn't pay a ransom? And will this deter future cyber extortionists? Medibank's announcement was the equivalent of flipping the bird to their attackers and one that aligns with the Australian government's position. Medibank CEO David Coxer said the amount asked by the extortionists, which he did not reveal, was irrelevant. Even if Medibank paid, there's no guarantee that the data will be deleted, he said. He's right. What's remarkable and nearly unheard of is how open and transparent Medibank has been at every turn of this extremely sensitive situation. Publicly stating no ransom would be paid was a strikingly bold move. Rarely do companies say either way if they've paid. Some cybercrime researchers have dubbed the group that struck Medibank as BlogXX since it doesn't have a clear name. BlogXX's website has links to the infamous R-Evil ransomware gang, which attacked the software developer Kaseya in July 2021 and JBS Foods in May 2021. Although R-Evil disbanded around October 2021, some of R-Evil's old infrastructure that it used to leak data began redirecting to BlogXX's website. That's led some experts to believe that Blog XX may be the remnants of our evil. So where does this go from here? Cybersecurity and Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill warned Parliament on Wednesday that this data leak situation could drag on for weeks or even months. In the first release of data, the ransomware gang released the negotiation chats it had with Medibank. 
In those chats, the gang warned that, quote, in the event of a negative outcome of the negotiations for us, we will do everything in our power to inflict as much damage as possible for you, both financial and reputational, end quote. Will not Payne send a message to other extortion or ransomware gangs to not mess with Australia? They will, no doubt, take note. But cybercriminals don't observe normal deterrence. Attacks on IT systems have a low opportunity cost. And there are probably quite a few Australian companies that have paid ransoms over the years as well. How does this shake out? It's going to take many more companies than just Medibank saying no to extortion. But it's a start. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. In 2021, U.S. mergers and acquisitions shot up 55%. In 2022, that percentage is set to climb even higher. The wave of post-COVID M&A demands that cybersecurity leaders improve their efficacy. At the recent ISMG Southeast U.S. Summit, our Senior Vice President of Editorial, Tom Field, spoke with Ben Murphy, Senior Vice President and Head of Cyber Operations at bank holding company Truist, about how his team stays ahead of the security threats during mergers and acquisitions. So a lot of what we do now, again, I'm running operations, right? So it's naturally a lot of it is reactive, uh, you know, and, and we integrate very closely with our security architecture side, which is much more the proactive side. So we expect a lot from our architecture team to really develop repeatable patterns that we can say, okay, we've got a new business we're bringing in. If they're in this environment, here's what we've developed. They need to align to this pattern. Another thing is that we really have to from, you know, we say reactionary, but it's, it's actually proactive is I have to start monitoring, not just for what's going on on the network or what events are occurring, but I have to start monitoring for what is the business doing, right? What was deployed yesterday into the cloud that I didn't know about? What new data bucket was just deployed? And how is it accessed? And what model is it following? And is it part of our pattern that we've developed or is it something that someone else developed? I have to start monitoring and responding to that the way I used to monitor and respond to, you know, port scans and attacks on the firewall, right? These are my new attacks, is what did my business do that I need to respond to and make sure it's secure. And finally, also speaking at ISMG's Southeast US Summit was Phyllis Woodruff, Vice President, IT Risk and Compliance at Global Payments. Her topic was cloud security, dealing with SaaS. Woodruff says as we migrate to the new, we can't throw out some of the old. Tom Field asked her about what exactly organizations have to retain in their journeys to the cloud. Within security, we've always used, or traditionally we've used frameworks as as I grew up with security we've used frameworks to make sure that we were actually checking all of the boxes and crossing all the T's. So if you think of NIST CSF, if you think of NIST 853, if you think of COVID, all of those frameworks were put in place to make sure that we are covering all of the bases. We internally use a master control inventory because regardless of whether it's cloud or on-prem, and we still have a foot in both, you want to make sure that you're closing all of the necessary gaps, right? Think of perimeter defense. Are we defending that perimeter? And how are we checking that we're defending that perimeter? Are we doing our asset inventory accurately, right? We have to identify first if we would go back to this CSF. And so we have to take those disciplines with us. It's not just about the next WizBank tool, although those are pretty cool too. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.
Oh, 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 oh,